Welcome to Conversations About Life. My name is Will Jackson, and I recently had the privilege of talking with Ann Kilzer, and I've known Ann for a long time. Uh, she was my childhood uh, Sunday school teacher in um, the inner St. Louis area, and uh, we talk. I asked Ann about her childhood in North Carolina, and um, she grew up in the Christian faith, and we talked about that and about how she met her husband and then what brought her to St. Louis and um, her um, time as uh, an engraver, owning her own business, and um, and then what it's like now to be an older woman in her um, her uh, upper 80s and, um, and just uh, her day-to-day life and what she finds satisfying in life and things like that. So I, I hope that you enjoy the conversation. Well, thanks, Anne, for um, being here with me and having a conversation. It's really good to see you again. Well, it's great seeing you, Bill. <laughs> well, um, well, I've known you for a long time. In fact, I remember you as... Um, my Sunday school teacher, and uh, I think we still have, if my memory is right, you may have gave this little ornament to us um, at Christmas one year of a, a little mouse in a, <laughs> a match. Um, I made that, yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well. yeah, that was really neat. I think we still have that. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's good just to kind of talk with you just to um, kind of um, ask some questions. Um, and um, I thought we'd just start with, you know, what your childhood is like. You came from uh, North Carolina? That is correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what was things like for you uh, growing up? They were wonderful. I grew up on the farm and in a Christian home. My mother was a lady in every sense of the word. Daddy was the salt of the earth. Hmm. He was just basic farmer, barber. He he was a barber as well. Okay. Um, mother was the spiritual leader. She had daddy's full support. But it was growing up on the farm was wonderful. Just seeing God's creation every spring, spring forth, and you know, and I was kind of a nature girl. Excuse me. <coughs> I spent a lot of time in the woods and down by the ponds watching tadpoles turn into frogs. <laughs> and it was it was a great life. We were poor, but everybody else was poor too. We always mm-hmm. had food and clothing and mm-hmm. warmth, no air conditioning. It's just mm-hmm. God's creation, God's air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, had... I was the third one of five children, Hmm. uh, sister and brother older and two sisters younger, and we had a good life. We didn't realize it then. It's just in looking back on it that we can see. My mother was, she was born in China, grew up in China till she was probably, I'm not sure, 10, 12, 11, 12 years old. Went to Eng- she was the daughter of the missionaries, and she went to England for a year, and they went back to China, and then they came to America f- because of my grandmother's failing health. And 
So she had tra- traveled a lot, and, you know, she was different from the other mothers in the neighborhood, but she was hmm. a great lady. How old was she when she came back to America? You know, I, I'm not sure. It was, I would say probably 12, maybe okay. hmm. 12 or 13 years old. And your dad was a barber. He was a barber and farmer. He was he was not going to be a farmer because he grew up on the farm and one of 12 children. And, hmm. you know, he was not going to farm, so he went to Barber's College in Durham and got his degree as a barber. But then I was born in 31, so that makes me 88. Um, he... Was not, he was going to be a barber and he was, that was fine until the depression hit about the time I was born came home mm-hmm. with me. Uh, and he had to go back to the farm to raise his food. Mm-hmm. So he did farm all week and then he barbered on Saturday. He would go into town and barber on Saturday. So we always had a little cash coming in. When you farm, you only get paid once a year and that's when you sell your crops. Mm-hmm. But, he, since he barbered every Saturday, and sometimes more than that, depending on. In fact, in World War II, they called all the barbers to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, to shave heads of the oh. boys that had been drafted. Mm-hmm. And Daddy said they sat there and cried all the time. He, all he did was buzz their head every chance he got. I mean, continually, all day long, but... Anyway, that was pretty much the, yeah, it was a good life. I I feel sorry for people that don't have that experience. Of like a... Farming. Farming. Growing up on the farm and in the country and seeing God's creation. I don't know how anybody could grow up in the country and not believe in Christ. Because it's abundant. I mean, we'd put the crops in the ground, but God controlled the rain and the sunshine. And mm-hmm. I remember going to the church for prayer meetings for rain when it would we'd have a long time of no mm-hmm. rain. <clears throat> but that was pretty much. So, um, and you, you mentioned that um, you grew up in a Christian family, so I guess y'all were. Uh, church-going family and, and that type of thing? Yes, we were. Um, Daddy's Dad church, home church, the church that we were going to, um, that was where I, I publicly accepted Christ. I accepted Christ. My, I had an uncle who was in the seminary at Fort Worth, Texas, and he would come home every Summer for a month, I think it was, and he's the one that sat me down and said, "Well, all of my older two older siblings and myself, anyway," and asked us if we loved Jesus. And of course, we did. You know, I thought we prayed, we saw God in everything, and I thought that was all of my responsibility. But then he said, no, you've got some responsibility in this relationship. You have to make that decision. Do you accept Christ as your Savior or just as a friend? Or So made that decision. It was an easy one. don't remember there being, I was like 12 maybe, mm-hmm. and I don't remember there being a great difference in my life except the next morning when I woke up, I remember feeling so clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not... 
much at that age there's not much much difference. Great experience was when I was sixteen <clears throat> I went to my boss is not working right this morning. I went to uh, Ridgecrest for youth camp and that was when I committed my life to Christian service. And I was sixteen and that really had more impact I think on my life. But hmm. hey, you mentioned like what waking up the next morning and feeling clean like that's um what i kind of recall like i made a profession of faith when i was 9 but um i think i was just trying to save myself from hell and you know and, <laughs> well <laughs> which um maybe is you know a good idea to try to do but <laughs> but it wasn't until i was older like around 18 that um just had you know the understanding of like I needed to be saved from who I was because I was a sinner and so forth, and the and just afterwards you know the guilt that was lifted from me. So I guess that's similar to like feeling clean, mm-hmm. you know. So your that was your uncle. So he must have um, kind of talked with you about you know, the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we so knew forth. that already. You right. know, and that's why, I, as far as I was concerned, I thought I was saved already. You know, I right. loved God and he loved me. And, you know, we were taught that. But, right. you know, he told me I had a responsibility in this relationship. It went one way. So, Yeah, responsibility, um, kind of like um, claiming him and conf- committing, committing to, to him. him. I so. see. Hmm. And we were home churched. Mother was, she would gather us together every Sunday morning. We had a Sunday school class at home. Okay. And then she would make us listen to a preacher on the radio, which I really can't remember gaining anything from, <clears throat> except discipline, maybe. Uh, we would listen to a preacher on the radio. So we had church at home. I, I mean, church buildings were not that accessible and so okay so um so you didn't go to uh, uh, gather with christians somewhere else once a month we had pastors pastored four churches okay and they would give each church a sunday oh i think they probably had sunday school um those sundays too but we didn't we've had sunday school at home okay so what did your um what how did your dad show leadership like he did he show um Christian leadership and just your upbringing and stuff like that? He was the boss, you okay. know, but mother let him know with her eyes when he was not on target. You know, I never heard them argue mm-hmm. my whole growing up life. Um but if he stepped out of line a little bit, she would give him that look that meant straighten up. So, you know, but he, there was never any doubt that he wasn't the head of the house. He was the boss and, you know, and what they dealt with, they dealt with privately because we were not a part of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, when you were a younger woman, do you remember what your thoughts were about how you thought your life would go or what it would be like? No, I don't really know that I had any plans for the future, but God took care of that. And at that time, I had no idea that he was in control. (laughs) But 
And looking back on it, everything that happened to me, I see as being in his plan. Okay. And um, anything in particular that comes to mind? My husband. Okay. I went. We had a state fair every year in October, and it was probably the highlight of the year. We didn't have television. We did have a field call radio. But we went... Well, I went on Sunday to watch with my cousin and her boyfriend to watch them set up. And then we Wednesday was school day, and you went to school, and then the school bus took, took the kids that wanted to go and had the money. It was like a quarter, I think, for us to get in that day. But anyway, it was dedicated to students. And I went on Wednesday, then on then Saturday, I went with another cousin and her husband back to the fair because... That was great entertainment. Um, and I met a Marine there that Saturday. My cousin and I, well, we met up with some kids from school there, too, and they wanted to go look at the farm equipment, and Geraldine and I didn't. And so we sat our town. Apex had a uh, booth there. It was a tent, and they sold meals through the week. And then they had a gazebo outside that they sold cookbooks from. But they had closed up and gone home. This was the last day of the fair. And so Jerry and I decided that we would just sit there and wait for them to get back from looking at the tractors. So uh, these two Marines walked up and said they wanted to buy a cookbook for their mess sergeant. They were in full blues and just out of boot camp, and anyway, we talked to them for a while, and then when the guys came back, and we started going to look something else, and Bob dropped in beside me and followed me along, and the other guys who were students, and I knew, but had no relationship outside of that with any of them. They didn't like these Marines intruding in their <laughs> their territory. Mm-hmm. So they started making comments, and I could just picture myself on the first front page of the using observer the next morning in a brawl between Marines and high school boys. <clears throat> anyway, so I said, well, I'll meet you all, and they were drinking too, which I never approved of. I said, well, I will meet you all at the gate at closing time. I'm going to go talk to this, go and talk to this Marine. So I left them with Bob, and we went, we walked, neither one of us had any money, so we walked around the fairgrounds, and then we went to the open front gate and just sat there on the wall and talked. And he asked for a picture of me and my address, and he had a, a little notebook in his pocket, and he pulled it out, and there other pictures of other girls and addresses, and I thought, oh, I'll never hear from him again because he was like 150 miles away, and, mm-hmm. you know, I lived down in the country. But um, I gave him my picture and my address and actually forgot about him when I went home. And then on Tuesday when I came home from school, there was a six-page letter from him, and he had gone back to base that night or the next day. And wrote me a long letter. Hmm. And then our first date, I went into Raleigh and met him at the bus station. And we just strolled around Raleigh 
because he had he come from he catch a greyhound bus into from Camp Lejeune into Raleigh, and then he'd take a cab from Raleigh out to my house on Saturday, and he'd come at ten o'clock in the morning. The cab would pick him up at ten o'clock that night. So <laughs> it was a long day, but anyway, that was how I met him. And you know, I believe God was in that. I uh-huh. have no doubt whatsoever that He didn't send him to that fairgrounds that day and that we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And dated for a year and a half before we got married. But I was just 17 when we met. Yeah. Well, you've had uh, quite a few years of, um, like, walking in the Christian faith. Um, what would you s- what would you say that the Christian faith is all about if you were to just to try to summarize it in a few words? I, I can't imagine it being otherwise. I think that's what we're here for, you know. <clears throat> I can't remember. I mean, I can't imagine what life would have been without walking with the Lord. Okay. What kind of, um, well, like if you were um, to like uh, explain it to someone who was, you know, f- f- you know, from somewhere else and didn't have any idea of, of just what the Christian faith was or anything like that, um, how would, you know, what would be kind of the main things you would want to explain to them just to tell them, well, this is what it's, what it is is all about and what it you know means to me. Well, I do that every Sunday in a sense because I do teach Sunday school and they're gracious and forgiving because my memory is not what it used to be. <clears throat> but it's just hard to imagine how life would be without it. I look at people that live the lifestyle without Christ and, you know, it's not that you don't have problems still, but you do have a resource. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard. You know, I tell them, you have a choice, and the choice is yours. But, you know, I choose Jesus, and, you know, that's my choice, and it's mm-hmm. the best choice. And What kind of things in your life have seemed most uh, satisfying to you? If you just look back over, your, you know, your life and, and things and, um, you know, just... Well, to raise two Christian children, mm-hmm. uh, basically, it. Uh, when, when I came to St. Louis in 1957, well, my mother—I had a great mother-in-law, and she, her husband had died, and she had never worked, and she invited us to come to move. To, we were living in Memphis, and we were looking for a house, and she said, "Why don't you come and live here, and I'll take care of the children," and. You can both work and save your money and buy a house in Memphis if that's what you want. So we came here for five years. That was our plan. And then we were going to move to Coleman, Alabama, which was halfway between my family and his family. But my mother-in-law took care of the children, and I went to the employment office and told them I was looking for something in the art field. 
And they said, there's an engraving company that's looking for an employee. So I went to work for them, worked for them for five years. And then my boss had gotten into Scientology and wanted to go to England. So I ran the business for a year for him while he was gone. And then when he came back, I bought the business. Hmm. And that was all in God's plan, too, because I lost my husband at 55, and I had to to have a resource for living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had no no dreams of owning an engraving company or being an engraver, which I did become. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, God knew I was going to lose a husband and knew I was going to have to have money. And so he provided that. And, you know, and it was not my dream and nothing that I really even planned for us. When it was offered to me, I thought, well, you know, I still have a husband to support us if it doesn't succeed, and mm-hmm. but it did. Yeah. Did you enjoy being a businesswoman? I woman? loved every yeah. minute. Well, yeah. it wasn't the business part as much as it was just being an engraver, to sit oh, okay. down hmm. and take a blank piece of steel and a carver and, you know, cut into that steel and make things and mm-hmm. you know for all over the south the east and and Pittsburgh I've got at home a, two dies that I cut for the Pittsburgh Pirate in 72 when they were world champions oh wow and <laughs> I don't know how I don't even remember how I got because I would do I worked for companies that live worked through the mail so I didn't have to do deal with public but I don't remember. I know that it was an engraving company, Salzman and Hamlin in Pittsburgh, that sent the. They had presses, but did not have engravers, so they would send the engraving to me to engrave a die, and then I'd send it back to them. They'd put it on the press and make the letterheads and business cards. It was social engraving for social stationery. Okay. But I loved every minute of it, just fulfilling to create. From a blank piece of steel mm-hmm. images, so yeah, that was good. Are there um, any decisions that you've made in life, or anything that you did that you're really glad for now? Well, I'm glad I moved to St. Louis. <laughs> you know, all the things that, and and that was God's plan too. You know, it was not my doing, not my aspiration it was you know god opened the way and mm-hmm. so yeah i'm glad that i did i miss my family back home we were close and still are but in friends and i still stay in touch with a lot of them i have a girlfriend i went to school with we talk pretty often and hmm. that's neat is she still in north carolina yeah okay are there um any regrets or anything that you wish you would have done differently? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> none, none specifically that I can, can think of. I've tried to get forgiveness for all of those already. Yeah. I can't think of any that. How... Um, well, how are these years as an older woman um, different than what you expected them to be like? Or are they just how you expected them to be? Well, they're not as good as I expected them to be. 
You know, you don't really think you're going to lose the ability to walk and to get around and to do the things you enjoy. One, the, there's only one good thing that I can think of, and that is that you want to change. You know, there are things I used to want to do that I don't want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good thing because I can't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have always enjoyed live theater and you know, going to the Fox and to the Muni, but I don't even have any desire to do that anymore. For one thing, you know, I can't hear the dialogue, and unless I know the story, it's not beneficial to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to change. That's that's a good thing because mm-hmm. you can't do them. <laughs> So what do your want tos change to? Like what are your how what do you desire then? Well, I'm content. Um, you know, I'm content to be at home and never have been. You know, I've always wanted something going on all the time. Mm-hmm. But now just a day at home to leisurely I think about all kinds of things to do but don't have the <laughs> up to do them. Mm-hmm. But what do you enjoy it like uh, on a day a day at home? Like what do you enjoy about? Well, I listen to the radio uh, in the morning, and I in the afternoon usually I start to cook. I cook from my son eats with me Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so I okay. cook on those days a full balanced meal because mm-hmm. he watches what he eats um, and try to keep it healthy. And I listen to Dr. Phil at three o'clock okay, yeah. on television, and, his, and he thinks so much like I do that you know it's I can almost tell you what he's going to say before he says it. But I, you know, the day passes. I watch television in the evening. I like the, the talent shows okay, yeah. best. Um, they entertain. I don't enjoy the drama that much, but. Mm-hmm. Um, do you enjoy um, solitude more now, or do you enjoy kind of like when you're connect, getting together with people and connecting in some way? Both. Both. Uh, yeah, I've always been, I've never been lonely. That's neat. Yeah. And, yeah. Is that because you've always had people pretty close to you? No, I mean, even when I'm alone, I have okay. never been lonely. I, mm-hmm. I know, for, I have friends that are older that I have a sister who's, Ninety-two, hmm. ninety-three now, um, and she's lonely because she has never been alone before. And her husband died a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I think about that, and that's a blessing. I mean, not to be lonely. Mm-hmm. And um, is it because? Um, you're just accustomed to being alone, or is it uh, no, just... No, I never was alone that much. Okay. I guess, you know, and I, <clears throat> I do talk to my, I, I, to, to God and me, you know, we have three-way conversations, and <laughs> I try to do it when no one hears, but <laughs> my son walked in on me the other day, and I was talking to my... Seven, he said, were you talking to me? I said, no, I was talking to myself. He said, I thought so. But uh, no, either way, uh, Mm -hmm. 
I'm content with, I like people and I like crowd and I like our connection meeting when we share and, yeah. you know, have fun and tell jokes. And one joke that you can edit this if you'd like, <laughs> said, if you ever fall asleep at work, then slowly raise your head and say, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty good advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what would you say makes for a well-lived life? Walking with Jesus. Okay. And I can't imagine otherwise. Did you see the picture that they supposedly, I don't believe much I hear anymore, so I have to question everything, um, of that black hole out in space. They mm. claim now that they've managed, it's always been there, and they claim that they have found um, ways of making a picture of it, and it is a black hole, and around it is like fire. And I mm. looked at that, and I thought, that looks like hell to me. You know, the black hole with fire. <laughs> mm -hmm. I always thought about hell being below, but, mm -hmm. you know, it could be out in space. Too, so. I think I did see that. I didn't read it, but I think I, I know what you're talking about. Hmm. Well, when you say walking with Jesus, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, you know, I wake up praying every morning before I get out of bed. I pray for all my family and for all the needs I know of. I have trouble remembering a lot of them, <clears throat> but... You know, every day is a walk with Jesus. It's not, you know, I don't go around singing holy, 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 but I do. And the peace, the peace that you have, there's, can't be beat. So it sounds like what it looks like in your life is uh, the communication, pr the prayer, and uh, just experiencing his peace and well, and I have to study a lot. I do teach Sunday school still, and mm -hmm. I study every day. And okay. I can't remember on Sunday morning what I've studied all week. I make mm -hmm. notes, and then Sunday morning I think, what did I mean by that? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I and, and I'm grateful that I have this opportunity because I know that in my flesh I would not do as much studying as I do. Right. Hmm. What's your class like? What are the adults? It's or? mixed. It's okay. all adults. It's uh, from like probably thirties to eighty nine. Okay. I have three women, myself and two others that are about the same age. We, I'm eighty eight. One's eighty nine. Two, the other two are eighty nine, but one's about to be ninety. And. Mm -hmm. They're a great blessing, and we introduce these younger generations to what it's like to being old. Uh, I have men. I have a couple of. Uh, they, I think, they're in their forties, husband and wife. I have a father who has suffered strokes and heart attacks, and. I think he's probably in his late seventies, but he comes every Sunday anyway. And he has son, he has three sons that come, mm -hmm. and 
they are probably in their 40s, 30s, one's probably in his 30s, and the other's in their 40s, or about 40. And then I have a lady that comes that is different. <laughs> uh, it's it's just a mixed group uh, mm-hmm. of all ages, genders. Has um, your thoughts about God uh, changed over the years at all, or your just understanding of who God is or what He is like? Is, has there been any changes, or is it pretty much um, just how you know consistent throughout your? It's been life? pretty consistent. There have been times when, when I was not in His will that <laughs> were tough. Um, but as long as you're in his will and try to be in his will, I think, you know, things are going to work out. They're not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect life, but they will, you can get through them. Yeah. Well, what are you hoping that the remaining time that God gives you in this present life will be like? Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, I, <clears throat> I'm ready. I'm mm-hmm. ready for him to come back. I would love for the rapture to happen. I dread the process of dying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this. I hope that it's in my sleep at night or if he doesn't come back before then. And I don't like being old. You know, I don't like being incapacitated. I like to perform and I like to do. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's hard to adapt and adjust to being old, but mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm there, and I'm probably going to live long, a lot longer than I want to. So, hmm. you know, there's there's nothing to dread about being in a better place and being pain free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, even though you aren't able to do everything, um, perform as you said, just your example and um, trusting in God. Uh, through the things, you know, that you're going through, I'm sure is an encouragement to other people. And, you know, I think we affect other people in ways we don't always realize, you know. So Other people have affected me, so I'm sure that's true. So. Yeah. Well, I hope that my faithfulness would, would be, you know, I felt like God called me to be in his service and at 16, when I, when I committed my life to to serving him, of course, at that time, I thought it was going to be a missionary. I, I thought mi- chi- missionaries to China were the only missionaries there were. I, growing up, I prayed every night when I said my prayers that God would bless the missionaries in China. And I was shocked when I found out that there were missionaries elsewhere. So I sort of thought maybe that would be my calling. And... Of course, it wasn't, but, you know, I've been here at Compton Heights for over half a century, mm-hmm. and I've, I've tried to be faithful, and I've tried to be honest, and I've tried to stand up for things that needed to be stood up for, and yeah. so I've tried to be real. <clears throat> we talked about that in Sunday school, what we would want on our tombstone. And I said, well, I would like them to say, she was real. You know, huh. I, I, I don't want anybody to see me as a phony, and I've tried not to be one. You know, I mm-hmm. try to be honest and 
even when it's not popular. Mm-hmm. But what um, in what ways have people been a blessing to you? Like, you know, what uh, do other people do that just is blesses you? Well, the ones that come faithfully to Sunday school do bless me, you know, yeah. and they're gracious and, you know, they overlook. This one other lady in my, in the class, that she's 89, um, she helps me a lot. And, you know, when I have a brain freeze and can't remember a name like the other Sunday, I said, when Moses came down, you know, we talked about the Jesus after the transfiguration did he look different, you know? And I said, <laughs> you know, like Moses when he came down from, I said, was it Moses or was it Abraham? <laughs> so I had a brain freeze and forgot mm-hmm. for the moment. And she came, Ruth came through and said, it was Moses. So thank you. Um, you know, God has, has sent a mission field to me. <clears throat> It's not that I have that much interaction with them, but the building next door was vacant, and a man from India has bought that, and I have had interactions with him that have been positive. The my next door neighbor, who's been was my neighbor for like fifty years or so, died, and her house was sold on auction for back taxes. <clears throat> the first lady that bought them was from Russia. Mm-hmm. She lives in Florida part of the time. She sold it to a lady from South Korea, and she sold it to a man from Afghanistan. And now tenants are living there, six females, three generations that are from Ethiopia. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sitting there in the middle of the world, and you know it's not. I mean, I do have some interaction with them, but not a great deal. But mm-hmm. anyway, I feel blessed that you know God has sent a mission field to me, right. even though it's limited, I suppose. But, mm-hmm. You know, but being a good neighbor and the man that bought the house next door told my son last week that we were good neighbors. Huh. Yeah. It's good to hear that, probably. Yeah. Well, thanks, Anne. And um, well, you are welcome, Will. I enjoyed reminiscing. I'm sorry, my voice is not up to par today. No, not as as myself. I'm not up to par, but no. Anyway, there are good days and bad days when you're 88. So yeah. Enjoy um, the good ones. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Oh, you are very welcome.